0: What's up, Bruin Bible listeners? This is your host, Will Decker. I wanted to reach out and say thank you guys for all the listens, all the love. We see it on social media. We see it on YouTube. It has been sensational. We want to encourage you guys, if you guys are enjoying the podcast and liking it, that you guys subscribe and like it, uh, whether it's on YouTube, on our UCLA LAFB channel, or the Bruin Bible, uh, to subscribe either through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, however you guys listen and react to it, because it's going to allow us to do much greater things in the future. We're creators. We want to be giving the best Bruins content to all of our UCLA listeners. The only way we can do that is if we have a fan base that is locked in and helping us out. So we appreciate you guys. We love you guys. If you guys have been liking it, please help us out with a like and subscribe. Los Angeles, welcome to 1090 ESPN The Mightier. Your Friday show for all things UCLA football. We got the Rams. We got the Chargers. We got USC. But this is the UCLA contingent. You know us very well. Will Decker, your host, as well as our co-host, Jamal Madney, a.k.a. the Madman. Madman, how are we doing on this Friday? We're rolling into football, and we got arguably the most polarizing team in the country coming to the Rose Bowl this weekend.
1: Brother, what a fun day. It's going to be tomorrow. We got homecoming, first of all, with UCLA. It's going to be throwback jersey night with honoring the 1954 National Championship team. Those powder blues just look on fire, phenomenal. It's going to be amazing to see the team rolling out in those uniforms. And then you got Coach Prime, and you got Shador and you got Travis Hunter coming to town. So what could be better, Will? This game feels like it has the juice of an SC UCLA game and it's not an SC UCLA game so it feels very interesting but it's going to be so fun on Saturday
0: it's going to be an absolute blast man and I am looking forward to diving in all of the positives the negatives about this game coming up talking about Colorado star players what UCLA needs to do to prepare but madman we are fresh out with a brand new sponsor for underdog fantasy LAFB we are it's a really cool collaboration we got going on with them man where you can make daily fantasy in california which is a legal site and we're going to be making some picks man i'm actually going with keenan allen over 80.5 yards receiving i saw ryan post this so i'm actually going to follow on his kind of piggyback in this moment so i'm going keenan allen with the over in the receiving yards and then he had tyson bagnet the fun story the division 2 quarterback now starting for the chicago bears arm wrestling champ his father was there's like a really random fact but now he's kind of you know making his own path out in the world it's 203.5 passing yards i'm actually going to take the under on that when it comes to i just think it's going to be a little bit more difficult chargers they do have their holes they do have their deficiencies but it's a lot more difficult to try to do this against the likes of a joey boza and Khalil Mack in your face so i'm taking the under on tyson Bagnett. i'm 203.5 passing yards And the over for Keenan Allen on 80.5 yards receiving. Guys, if you want to get involved, make sure you use our promo code LAFB when you sign up for a match bonus of up to $500. Check us out. Promo code LAFB for underdog Fantasy to get all your needs moving forward. But now that we got that established, my man, Colorado. It's a very intriguing team coming in here. Coach Prime is now at Colorado. They got off to a blistering 3-0 start. But since then, they've been 1-3 in those games, all in the Pac-12. They just blew a 29-point lead in their last game against Stanford. And, you know, there's a lot of highs with this team. I think Shadur Sanders is playing as well or better than any quarterback in the country right now. You're talking about a guy who's second in the nation in passing yards per game, third in the nation in TD passes with 21. They've got some very exciting playmakers. I mean, we all know about Travis Hunter the dynamic two-way player he's playing like 150 snaps per game which just doesn't seem sustainable but he's like a superman out there for the buffaloes xavier weaver has been outstanding man this guy is fourth in the conference in yards per game when it comes to receiving third when it comes to receptions per game but even with all those positives on offense man the deficiencies are so glaring that it makes me feel very confident when we really break it down for ucla and i i want to you know come out and say this i'm a prime believer i think what he's doing is awesome it's going to take more than a year for him to kind of right the ship here you got to remember how bad this team was the year before uh i think he's generated over 200 million dollars to the university since he's joined the staff and you know he's got them ahead of schedule in my eyes but the deficiencies go as such no team has more penalties in the entire nation than colorado they are the second worst team in the nation when it comes to sacks allowed and they probably would be the worst if they didn't have a bye week last week which will probably balance out. And they have the worst total defense in the nation as they allow 473.7 yards per game. Madman, talk to me. Uh, Colorado fun, exciting, but a great football team I'm not ready to declare them that just yet.
1: Yeah, well, you you said it best, particularly at the end there in terms of the sacks allowed the yards allowed, and the penalties, right? You have to sort of start there. And to me, this is a team that it's year one of the coach prime era. And so he's been very successful through 90 transfers. Well, I mean, they've completely overhauled this roster, but the guys that wanted to play year one, given the timeline, are a lot of the skill position guys. And so where they really need to grow right now is in the trenches. You can see there's deficiency. In the offensive line, they're heavily undersized. There's deficiency in that front seven, really getting the line of scrimmage moved pretty aggressively on them. But where they're very exciting, Will, is, as you mentioned, in the skill position uh, room, particularly in terms of that wide receiver room. To me, for Bruin fans, this game is very similar to Washington State in terms of matchup. When you look at this team... You have Shadur Sanders, very similar player to Cam Ward in a lot of ways. He's accurate on intermediate throws. He's mobile when he needs to be. At times, Shadur can have happy feet in the face of the rush. But who can blame him considering how many times he's been sacked for a guy? My goodness, this guy's been sandwiched more times than an ice cream sundae at Didi Reese. So, you know, you, who's to blame Shadur there? And then when you look at them defensively, Will, They're very undersized in that front seven, much like Washington State was. And so for UCLA, the focus has to be as long as we protect the ball and we manage the game through the air, we're going to hand the ball off to Carson Steele and then our home run hitters on the ground like Keegan Jones and TJ Harden and then let the defense do its thing. For me, Will, there's kind of three key matchups over the course of this game. It is UCLA's front seven attacking Shadour Sanders. They're going to really own this offensive line, given the likes of the pass rushing capability and really get to Shadour uh, in a significant way. And Shadour is going to be probably running for his life in this game. The second matchup that I think is critical is... What's kind of a delicious matchup here, Will, is Travis Hunter on J. Michael Sturdivant, just from a one-on-one standpoint. I just want to see what that looks like. It's going to be one-on-one, you know, alpha versus alpha. J. Mike has just not had any sort of an individual challenge yet. His stats are modest through seven games, but that's more of a function, Will, as you and I have talked about, the offensive line and the inability for the quarterback to get him the ball deep, deep and down the field. But he's been able to win just about every one-on-one matchup. To see him against Travis Hunter, I think NFL scouts are really going to be raving at that matchup. It's not very often that at the collegiate level, you get two true, really good quality NFL prospects matched up against one another. And then the third matchup, Will, that I'll be honest with you, makes me slightly nervous is the UCLA secondary against these Colorado receivers. And you you mentioned it, Xavier Weaver uh, leads the team in receptions. Then you've got Joe Horn Jr., who is a very explosive player, second on the team in receptions. You've got Travis Hunter, the two-way stud. And then you've got Omarion Miller, who's this wild card who blew up against USC for seven catches, 196 yards and a touchdown. So to me, it's a little bit of a cat and mouse game. I fully expect UCLA's front seven to control this game, both in terms of stuffing the run as well as making Shadur extremely uncomfortable. But in the event, in those moments where he's able to evade the pass rush or in those moments where he gets some time, those guys on the back end there in terms of those wide receivers, this UCLA secondary is going to have their hands full and have a significant challenge. So a lot of similarities will between Colorado and Washington state. And the only difference with UCLA struggles in that Washington state game was protecting the ball. So as long as UCLA protects the ball, they should be able to play this game and win this game on their terms.
0: Yeah. And I mean, for what he's been given, uh, Shadur Sanders, uh, you know, the offensive line has been chaotic. He 21 touchdowns to three picks. Absolutely, so, so incredibly impressive. And if you really break it down, they're four and three right now. But what if they complete that comeback against USC? What if they hold on and don't blow a 29-point lead against Stanford? You know, we were talking a couple of weeks ago about Cam Ward at that moment in time being the most valuable player in college football. I think there's a case at Shadur Sanders, because if you flip the script on both of those games, I don't think anyone had them going to Outson and winning against Oregon. But if you had them maybe completing a comeback against SC, holding on against Stanford, at this point, they're about six and one coming into this game. This guy would be the front runner for the Heisman Trophy, in my opinion. Is that a crazy statement given how we talked about Cam Ward and what we've seen in this conference this year?
1: No, not at all, Will. I think that Shador has been absolutely instrumental to this team's success when you talk about the deficiencies. You know, we've talked about it here. You have the worst total defense in college football. You're the most penalized team in college football. You're giving up the most sacks in college football once you get the same number of games accounted for. These are significant, fundamental principles of the game of football, and yet you're sitting there at four and three And oh, by the way, even in that four and three, they've really just had eight poor quarters this season out of a possible 28. They've played 20 really good quarters. They've had eight really poor quarters. The full game against Oregon, the first half against USC, and the second half against Stanford. Those have been their poor eight quarters. And so I think this has been a pivotal week for them because they're coming off of a bye. They've had an opportunity to study the film. They've had an opportunity to collect themselves And also catch their breath a little bit, Will. This team has been so magnified in the public. They've had so much exposure the first few weeks of the season. I'm sure it's been nice for them to fly under the radar. I mean, of course, Shadour and Travis Hunter were at the Nuggets-Lakers opening night game two (laughs) nights ago. So, you know, flying under the radar for their standards, Will. But still, they're at least not the most talked about team in college football So I think this has been a very therapeutic last 10 days for Colorado where they could just sort of focus again on themselves, not have as much noise, and really focus on how to get better.
0: Well, anything I know about Deion Sanders and his family, flying under the radar is an option (laughs) for Primetime and those guys. I love Primetime. He's one of my all-time favorite personalities. Seems like a genuinely awesome dude. Like everything he's doing for the sport. So shout out to Prime. He had some great things to say about Chip Kelly this week. I don't know if you saw that. Yes. But actually a question crept into my mind while we were talking about this and knowing everything we just said about shadur Sanders worst offensive line most penalized team uh you know uh just not the essential needs that a lot of teams do have worst total defense in college football is this guy if he went out this year is there an option for you as the number one team in the NFL to draft to take this guy over Caleb because I think in a lot of ways, He's performed better with less options. And I think this would be a crazy statement a month or two ago. But from what I've seen from Caleb Williams the last two weeks, I've kind of softened my stance on him being a surefire pro prospect. Is that a crazy statement to ask, Jamal?
1: Well, it isn't. And I've always believed in the principle when you're drafting a quarterback in the NFL. I think there's a lot of noise that happens when you look at arm strength or strength or you know 40 time or agility or the wonderlick test and there's all of these other factors to me the ultimate factor is and the greatest barometer of success to me is did you take a four or five win team in college and make them a 9 10 win team because those are the the instances that it's most like the NFL because it's those four or five win college teams that don't have advantages at any position. They don't have advantages at wide receiver or tight end or offensive line or running back. And so it's the quarterback's greatness that elevates this team, as opposed to, say, a quarterback that is signal calling a blue blood, like an Alabama or USC back in the day or Georgia or what have you. And when you look at the NFL and the composition today, you look at Patrick Mahomes, you look at Josh Allen, you look at Aaron Rodgers, you look at all of these guys, the top guys in the league, all were from schools that you would say are not blue bloods, where they really elevated their team. The only exception to that rule is Joe Burrow when he quarterbacked LSU, but when he had all of those advantages, he literally had the greatest quarterback year in the history of the sport. It's why the Matt Leinart, the A.J. McCarrens, the Stetson Bennetts, The Ken Dorseys, the Jason Whites, the Sam Bradfords, on and on you go, didn't really pan out in the NFL because they had advantages at every position and it wasn't really them. And so when you look at that and you see what Shadour is able to do, if Shadour can take this team, Will, to nine wins on the season, a team that won one game, he takes them to eight wins or nine wins. That is the greatest barometer to me of success now. Is he better than Caleb today? I'm not quite ready to go that far. But what I will say is it is a heated, live discussion. And I think the gap has closed very, very significantly. When I watched these two live a couple of weeks ago, it looked like a significant gap between Caleb and Shadur. That gap has significantly closed. And if it continues this way, you could see a world where Shadour not only equals Caleb, but surpasses him. So I don't think you're incorrect in bringing up that question whatsoever, Will.
0: Yeah, and I think when you really balance out the statistics like we mentioned, like this is not like me just generalizing. They have the worst offensive line. They have yeah. the worst defense. They're no, this is not offensive.
1: opinion. This is fact.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think him getting six wins and getting to a bowl game is similar to those teams you mentioned of raising it from four to five wins to nine wins. Because I think what he would be able to do with all of those incredibly horrendous deficiencies and getting to that ceiling, I think it's very impressive. But we got to talk about UCLA now coming into this game. we got some big news today. Colin Schlee actually cleared for the game, a name that I didn't expect to hear for the rest of the season. I was kind of shocked. We were all kind of coming out of that Oregon State game, believing we may have seen the last of Schlee this year. And it begs the question, you know, we've talked about the quarterback controversy all year long. You know, the guy that came in, and you, if you want to argue situational packages, there's that. But the guy that would come in for Dante more regularly, the guy that was second on the depth chart all those weeks was Schley. Now with Garber's kind of taking the spot back a little bit, more fighting for it, and Schley now healthy, do you think the, the right option is to stick with Garber's, or would you be willing to maybe look in the opposite direction for a Schley, given how successful he's been on the ground in these packages?
1: Well, it's a great question. I really like where the team is headed with Garbers. If it were me and I was Chip Kelly, I would say, look at what we really need here. We've got an absolutely elite defense, top 10 in the country in basically every statistical category. We have a premier run game that will also finish top 10 nationally when all is said and done. We are a defensive team. We run the football. What we need from our signal caller is game management, is make the safe play, make the simple play, don't turn it over, don't make the big mistakes. And so when you're looking at who of those three guys fits that bill, it really is Ethan Garber's to the T. And I think what you can do is you can bring Colin Schley, like we've talked about for several weeks, Will, in these situational packages, red zone packages, short yardage packages. When you need kind of a change of pace, if you feel like the running game is stalling or uh, teams are sort of packing the box or they're sort of reading Carver's tendencies and you just need sort of a change, you bring in Schley for a drive and sort of mix it up. So to me, that's how I would go, Will, because for as great as Schley is on the ground and he's the best out of the three on the ground and the best athlete and so thrilled to hear this news that he's back on the field, and he's going to play a very valuable role in these package-like situations. I still have deep questions about Schley through the air. I I just don't believe Schley has enough through the air in terms of touch on his ball, in terms of ability to read sort of Pac-12 defenses, in terms of speed of the game when it comes to throwing windows, for me to feel comfortable that UCLA is in a position to succeed. You're kind of going back to some of the mistakes then that that Moore was making without the upside of Moore, right? So it's almost kind of lose-lose in a lot of ways if you just kind of give him the keys to the kingdom. So to me, it's Garbers is your starter, and then you bring in Schley for some particular running packages.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, we talked about Garbers' performance against Stanford at length earlier this week. It's ironic because I think when you look at individual ceilings like – Schley's the best athlete of the bunch. Moore has the highest, you know, potential of the group. But the greatest, you know, I think potential for the team is Garbers out there. It's just smooth sailing. He made great – just the decision-making was so advanced from what we've seen all year long. And that's what it takes, man. I don't need the flash. I don't need the substance. Give me the guy who can just move the ball from A to B. And Garbers did that all last week. By the way, he's playing a worse defense this week against Colorado – let this guy get the keys to the car for the rest of the year if he's healthy because I think with him kind of humming, you know, we put up 42 points outside of the North Carolina Central game, which is not even a Division One team. That's the most points we put up all year. So keep him at the starting quarterback. Let him kind of rumble and get this offense moving. And I think great things are bound to happen. So we're very much aligned on Garbers. I do it every week, dude. I got to come back to you with these takes. Give me a player on offense and defense that will dictate how UCLA plays on Saturday and will have, you know, an effect on the overall final score.
1: Well, it's hard. You know, it's one of those where you got to go with steel here. This just makes all the sense in the world. Again, I'm going to get a minus three for creativity uh, on the air here, but everything sort of begins and ends with steel in terms of this offense. It's run to set up the throw it's also run power to then be able to set up the breakaway runs of the likes of TJ Harden and Keegan Jones. So I expect Steele to have kind of 25 plus carries in this game, uh, be at about 125 to 130 yards, a touchdown, maybe two, and really be the workhorse here offensively. And then, Will, on the defensive side of the ball, I think it's going to be I think we may be picking up where we left off last week with the Murphy Twins. And especially when you talk about that pass rush and everyone knows Latu is Latu. But I have a feeling that Gabriel and Grace and Murphy are both going to inflict punishment in this game, particularly when you look at that offensive line matchup with this decorated front seven. So it's it's not creative. Uh, you know, unfortunately, it's sort of the usual suspects. But this feels like a usual suspect game, Will, where if this is a game where somebody else sort of emerges to be kind of the MVP of the game, that kind of means to me that this game is going to go off script. And if it goes off script, that's when I think bad things happen. UCLA just needs this game to stay on script because they're the better football team.
0: Yeah. And I, I the great pick was Steel. It's obvious to a lot of people, but I think the biggest component of that is how you can milk the clock with that ball out of Shadir Sanders' hands. Because that guy's as dangerous as any quarterback right now in the country. Keeping control of the script, running the ball at will, we're a top 10 rushing offense within college football. Keeping it in those guys' hands. and I mean, you know I love the Murphy Twins just as much as anybody. So, love bringing those guys up. Madman, I got two guys. Well, I would say multiple guys when it comes to this. I'm actually going to be looking at the tight end room. We got nice. some. We got some guys that have made plays all years long. They're not getting the targets they deserve, in my opinion. Carson Ryan, with those long touchdown catches in the week one and week two, made some big plays for us against Washington State. I want to see more of that. And Matavao had a very long touchdown catch. I believe it was like a 45, 46-yarder against Stanford last week. And after I checked the notes, Madman, we have the two highest-rated tight ends within the Pac-12 this year, Matavao being number one, Carson Ryan being number two. Feed these guys more. It's the simple thing. It's like, I want more Keegan Jones. He's successful. Give him the ball more. Tight ends. There's no difference in that, you know, strategy. Feed them. They're doing great. Let's get them the ball. And then on defense, man, as good as the front four has been, I think someone that deserves a huge amount of credit. And we've we've talked about him before. It's going to be no surprise to the fan base. Muwasau, man. Absolutely. Blue sacks on the year, leading the team in tackles with 38. I'm expecting him to really disrupt you know, Colorado, especially coming in on those extra blitzes, knowing how weak that front line is for Colorado Four sacks on the year. I think he's going to get like two more this week because he's quick enough to kind of maybe get outside and, you know, set the edge against a Shadur Sanders who can move his feet out in the open field. What do you think about those two people, uh, those two picks before we get out? uh,
1: Absolutely. Well, I love the tight end situation, particularly with the concerns with Colorado sort of secondary in their linebackers and coverage. And then Moasau, I think not just the pressure, but sort of the ranginess to shut down the likes of an Edwards and a Hankerson in coverage, you know, they're running backs that sort of come out on, on reception. So love those picks and, and love the Bruins chances here on Saturday.
0: Yeah, man. And don't even get me started. They got to use Muwasau as a spy this weekend on Shador guys have a safe drive home, have a safe weekend in general, UCLA Bruins guys show up, show out loud. I heard it's a sellout at the Rose bowl. So we love it. LAFB on 1090 The Mightier. We'll be back right after the break. Don't go anywhere with some more football coverage.